Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You have reached the Voices of the Cannabis Wars news from the front lines when we are here to tell you what is going on in this world. Right now, um, our show is so going to be so packed with good stuff, but first let me tell you just a little bit about our show. We are a completely um, nonprofit. We do not make any types of money off of doing this radio show. We are all volunteers, and we come together every Sunday morning to bring you the news. What is going on? Um, the news that the regular TV media will not tell you. This is news you can only get straight from the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show. For short, you can call us VOW, C-O-W, because we've actually written a VOW that you can take to become a uh, a voice for our prisoners is what we want you to do. So check that out. You can go to our website, which is in in process of getting built. We are working on that as we speak. So check it out. The vow is coming soon. Um, the people that come to this show is myself, Kristen Floor. Uh, my father died in federal custody, shackled to a bed where I had to take him off my support because cannabis is federally illegal. Uh, Eugene Fisher, who served 25 years of a life sentence for cannabis. He got himself freed after 25 years, so he is also a host of the show. We also have Mindy Griffiths, who is the producer of the show. Mindy is a prison outreach expert, and she is just, does so much for our prisoners. And we also have uh, Becca, who screens her calls once in a while. And the radio show is presented to you by a platform that CCHI, which is an initiative that's trying to get cannabis legal so they can free their plant prisoners down in California and they give us a little spot on their on their on their blog talk show here for us to present our radio show to you so thanks to CCHI and all the other volunteers that put this show together um, this is an award-winning show uh, from we won an award from can do clemency project and we're very proud of that so um, check us out listen we have a huge show planned for you um, what we're going to do is we're going to bring you the news uh, from the front lines, as what's been happening with prison outreach lately. And that has been quite a bit going on at the at some events, particularly the High Times Cannabis Cup, who, you know, they have given a few of our, our prison outreach groups out there voices at their cup, and they have used their voices so magnificently wise. It's amazing. Um, we've got uh, Sherry Sicard, who will be joining us from the Marijuana Lifers Project, um, ending their goal is to end life sentences for marijuana. She's going to talk to us about a couple life life prisoners and what's going on in their lives. And she's also going to tell us, you know, how she got a thousand letters, clemency letters signed at the High Times Cup. It's going to be so great to hear from her. After that, we're going to hear from Craig Cecil, who is in custody after 13 years still in federal custody, serving a life sentence for cannabis. After that, we're going to go to Georgie's Corner which is all about George Monterano, who spent 33 years of a life sentence in prison and is free. And he just got free just, just within the year. And he's going to call into our show, as he does every single Sunday morning, and tell us what's going on in his life. After that, we're going to hear from Stephanie Landon. She's from a group called Freedom Grow, where they raise commissary money for plant prisoners. In fact, at her last event at the Hindhead Cup, she raised over $7,000 and over, over 70 prisoners got $100 each. So we want to find out what's been going on at these events, how much Stephanie raised, to find out all about Sherry's letters. And then after that, we're going to hear from uh, Tom Corby. We're also going to discuss 
this Gallant Fest party I was at on 420 where we got tons of letters signed for Jimmy Roman. Um, you do not want to miss the show. It's going to be a great show. Uh, but first, we've got to talk to the other host of the show, which is Eugene Fisher. Good morning, Eugene. Good morning, Christian. Good morning, listeners. You know, as you talk, uh, Christian, about Sherry and her program for lifers and, and what we stand for, trying to get help uh, guys and women in prison for a pot, I thought of my good friend, Kenny Kabinsky. He's got a life sentence for marijuana. Uh, he's done, I don't know, I don't know how many years now. It's over 25. The, one of the nicest people you ever want to meet, a Vietnam a veteran, a hero, sustained wounds in Vietnam and so on, um, and he's just kind of languishing there in prison. Uh, no matter what happens in petitions, they don't seem to help him and, and so on. And my, my thoughts go out to him because he, um, his wife uh, um, moved on while he was in prison. He still has his kids. I saw his kids grow up, Christian. I saw him as little tots in prison, and now they're adults with their own lives. That just shows how times move on. And I just, I'm, I, if anyone's listening here and can wants to help Kenny Kavinsky, get in touch with with us, and we'll put you in touch with him. It's it's a worthy cause. He's one of the nicest people, and I mean that sincerely. One of the nicest people you ever want to meet. On the oh other my side, Christian. We gotta think me? of a way to we gotta think of a project just for him. Yeah. Uh, he's like abandoned. See that that's what happens, Christian. You know that. That's what happens to to, to prisoners. Uh, that's what the government does. They do, the, the government's program on purpose is to isolate people away from society, away from family and everyone. And that that's Kenny's case. And again, he fought for our country. He's a, he's just a good good person. You everyone who met Kenny loves Kenny. Okay, that's the kind of person he is. And I can't speak too highly of him as a cause. I think we should, we and everyone, all our listeners and anyone out there should should get involved. I make this passionate plea to everybody. I don't know what the, how we can do it, what results, the wreck results there could be, but we can, we can at least remember that he's alive and try to do what we can. For sure, Eugene. For sure. Well, you know what? We, well, let's talk to Sherry Sicard about, about Kenny. She might know a little bit about him. Um, if not, she can she can tell us about her group, um, which is called Marijuana Lifer Project, ending life sentences for marijuana. So maybe she can help right. give us some suggestions. Yeah, she also she has so much to tell us about a couple of the other prisoners that are in there. So let's bring her on. Yes. Good morning, Sherry Sicard. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Jean. Nice to be here. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, my dear? I'm doing great. Busy as always, but uh, still plugging along. <laughs> you really are busy. I know that. Um, 
by the way, Alan uh, Hollinsworth uh, is helping me. I know you know about that. Oh, good, yeah, good. I'm happy to hear that. I'm so grateful. I can't tell you how grateful I am for the for that and and for our community, Sherry. How how is well, how we stand together sometimes, not all the time. Let our listeners know that Sherry Sicard, uh, Eugene was looking for a kidney, and uh, Sherry Sicard put it out on her Facebook wall, and one of Eugene's old friends from um, from actually his case um, over 25 years ago said, hey, I want to donate this kidney. So um, thanks, Sherry, for being that voice, because being that middle voice right there made Eugene, you know, his life is going to be saved now. So so nice. Wow, that's amazing. That's great. So I hope that works out. <laughs> So Sherry, tell us about the high. Tell us about your group and tell us about the High Times Cup. Well, the group is the Marijuana Lifer Project. You can find us online at marijuanalifeproject.org. Um, lifer singular, not plural. Um, high Times was our first official event as the Marijuana Lifer Project. As you know, I've been doing this work for probably about three years or so now with the lifers, but finally decided to make it official, start a nonprofit org, and. High Times has just been so supportive. Not only did they give us booth space, but uh, they gave me two speaking spots in the VIP area to educate those guests about uh, the marijuana lifers, which was great. um, Elise McDonough, who's their edibles editor, was just great. She stopped the party and went, you guys have to see. I know you're having fun, but you have to listen about this. And we did that both days. And uh, we had just an amazing, amazing group of volunteers that just worked the crowd. Uh, Rory Murray, uh, Nancy and Ray. I love Rory. Uh, Rory was just my right-hand man. He was great. Uh, Francis Showalker from uh, Women Grow was there. (laughs) Which one is that? (laughs) That lifers song that he sings about all of our Uh, prisoners. Set Paul free. Yes, know. he sang it in the booth. He had, a, he had a whole horn, and he was singing it in the booth, and all those volunteers just really worked it. And they stopped the crowd and made them sign letters. We had letters for six different inmates that have clemency petitions in. And uh, over the three days, we collected over a 1,000 signed letters, which is just amazing. Um, I can't oh those volunteers God. I enough. You said that. I couldn't believe it either. The first day we ran out of letters, and so the next morning I had to go to a print shop, and I got more, and then we ran out again, and then I had to get Mitch Mandel to drive out on Sunday with even more. So, yeah, the people were really wanted to help and really wanted to sign these letters, and the volunteers were so great. In fact, one of our volunteers, Ray Littell, said that, that collecting these letters was one of the most meaningful experiences in his life. So I really want to encourage everybody to come out and do this because it really is a meaningful experience. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It it, tears to my eyes. How nice. It is. It's it's a very rewarding thing to do because this is such a grave injustice. So when you get out there and and you're really trying to do something to make a difference, not only does it help the prisoners, but it is really rewarding for the volunteer as well and very meaningful. It's something you'll never forget. And you're out with a bunch of friends, and huh? Got volunteers up here in Washington for Val, who who get who take who download your letters from your website and take Uh them out. In fact, maybe he he started just just help trying to help Andy Cox, and 
it becomes addicting. You you know, you don't want to stop helping. You, you're thinking about the next place you can go get more letters signed. I know. It's great, and it means so much to the prisoners. I mean, they, they just were so encouraged by this that, you know, all those people cared and, and gathered the letters, and we've been getting a fair amount of press lately. So they're really encouraged, you know, and when they see that the public is paying attention, that's so encouraging to them because for years before, you know, I started doing this and you started doing this and Stephanie and all these people started getting into this, they were just ignored. You know, I mean, I got a letter from Craig Stiefel earlier this year who said, um, you know, I never got any mail at all and now I get birthday cards and letters and people know my name and it's such a difference. Sherry, I want to say this, uh, as you know, one of those life lifers who happened to get out, uh, I I know what you're saying because the first years of my sentence, I was sentenced in 1988, wow. and the first years of my incarceration, it, it was very lonely. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was it, it, it's a death sentence. That's what it is, and you don't yeah. want to think about it and so on. But uh, it, it's amazed me to see how this whole movement has grown. And how some people like yourself are are doing so much to help the the uh, the prisoners that are are doing these horrible sentences, you know. It, yeah. it, I, I want to attest to that that it's it's really it's amazing and wonderful. I I really thank you from my bottom of my heart for for all my buddies and friends who are who, who are still doing time over over uh-huh. marijuana sentences. Yeah, it's important, and it is definitely important to them, but it's important to the world at large, too, to fight back against this level of injustice. This is about as an egregious level of injustice as we can get, somebody serving life for marijuana, especially while it's being legalized all around. So uh, we have not won this war as long as we still have people in prison. That's the bottom line. Sherry, there's a buddy of mine who's still languishing in prison who I really, really hurt for. He's one of those forgotten people, Kenny Kavinsky. And anything you can do to help him would be so appreciated. You know, I'm going to write to Kenny again. I have written to him in the past, and he wrote me back, and he told me he didn't really qualify because I think he had some cocaine or something in his charges besides marijuana. But I think that's very minor, so I'd really want to investigate that more. Yeah, to there, is, there, is, there is some cocaine, but it was like they threw it in just to stir the pot up, okay? Right, uh, and they do that often. Basically, but... basically doing marijuana, that's what he was doing. And you can't yeah, find a nicer guy in the world. I mean, this he's a prince of a person. He really is. I need to reach out to him again and see if there is anything we can do to, to you know, help him. But, yeah. But you know, we have many other prisoners on the site that we are helping, and we have lots of uh, – actually got some great news from one of them over the weekend from Paul Free, who's been in Ooh. over 21 years. And Are you still there, Sherry? Hello, Sherry. Sherry Sicard has dropped off. It looks like we may have lost reception. Um she was just discussing Paul Free. Uh, yeah, and Paul Free. We did 20 years. Uh, Christian, I was with a guy yesterday, a very well-known man in Miami, and I mentioned the time I did, and so on. it was inconceivable to him that I did that much time. And he, he attributed 
to our old politics. Problem is, I try to correct him. I said, it's our politics that go on now even. It doesn't right. stop. You it know, there's changed. a case. Like, Ball free, 20 years. You know what 20 years of a person's life is? I mean, it's inconceivable. 20 years locked away from society, from your family, from the people you love, from, from right, real right. good human contact. You know what I'm saying? It's inconceivable. Uh, no, I can't imagine. And, you know, Sherry, she's real close friends with uh, Paul Free. Um, so, you know, like, you know, I know from the outside you sit there and you wonder what is going on behind bars, what's going on with your loved ones. But from the inside, then it's like what's going on from the outside. And it to me seems like just a nightmare, a, a, a sleep, a, a waking nightmare. Well, Eugene, we got Sherry Sicard back on the line, so I am going to put her live. Sherry, okay. sorry, you dropped off. You're, you're right here. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I just got dropped off. <laughs> but anyway, I was saying, Paul. Um, our producer hmm? said that uh, Blog Talk is dropping calls, so if that happens again, I think it might be the radio station. So. Okay, um, I'll just, call back if it happens again. Um, anyway, Paul was. Tell us some more about Paul Free, will you okay. please? Yes, uh, Paul has been trying to get back in front of the courts for 20 years, and they found the lead witness that testified against him 20 years ago who signed a notarized affidavit that said he was coerced into testifying against Paul. He did not know Paul, had never seen Paul before in his life, um, and he had said that he was presented with a photo lineup when he told the detective he didn't know any of the people in the photos. The detective took his hand, put it on Paul's photo, and said, that's Paul Free, that's the man we want. So he signed wow. a, a notarized affidavit of this, and Paul was trying to get that reintroduced into court. This is new evidence after 20 years. And the lower courts, the Sixth Circuit, had said, no, you can't do that. That's a successive uh, filing. You can't do that. Your appeals are done. And they denied it. And he took it to the Supreme Court, and they denied it. And uh, I think it was either in December or January, Paul asked me to call the Supreme Court clerk and check on that and tell her it wasn't successive, there's new evidence. And I had a really interesting conversation with that clerk who got very agitated with me, and she, she told me, and I quote, we just go by whatever the lower court says, which was shocking to me. And I said, well, what is the purpose of appealing to the Supreme Court then? And then she got very uh -huh. agitated hung up on me and told me not to call again. So, uh, But before she hung up, she said, well, if he feels it's wrong, tell him to file it again. So he did. And wow. he just got news uh, Friday that they accepted it. Not that they're going to hear it, but at least they didn't deny it. They docketed it. The government has told me 18th to respond. They will probably file for an extension. But he's that, one step closer than he was. That's uh, I, I went through the whole process. You know, for 25 years I was a litigator. Let me tell you something: that if they accept, if they ask the government to respond, that's very, very important. Yes, that means is. they're seriously considering it. Yeah. So he is very, very hopeful, very excited. Ask everybody to please keep him in your thoughts because this is as close as is he's gotten. Is there anything that the community can do um, in order to help hit the next time he tries? Um, at this point right now, no, we have to see what they do, but I will let you know if there is for sure. 
Right now we're just hoping that the court will agree to hear the case and will agree to hear this new evidence that was presented, and hopefully it will send him home. Now, Paul, Paul, um, you said he applied for clemency through the clemency project? Yes, he has also. Yes, that is something the public can do. He does have a clemency petition filed as well. Um, This would be a little bit different if he gets out via this route, but he also has a clemency petition filed, and he could certainly use support letters. He is one of the ones we collected letters for. And if you go to MarijuanaLifeForProject.org under the section How You Can Help, um, there's a Everybody that needs letters uh, are posted there. Uh, each prisoner has a how to help that prisoner section that will tell you what you can do to help that particular prisoner. There's even letters you can just print out and sign, or there's directions if you want to write your own how to do that. So I try to make it as easy as possible, but if anybody has questions, they are free to contact me anytime. Sherry at MarijuanaLifeForProject.org, and that's C-H-E-R-I. So, Sherry, I've got a question for your... Um for your program because, okay, so coming soon to your website, you're going to have some posters that you can download as well. So I'm, I'm personally going to make a challenge out there to anybody, any individual, not necessarily business, but anybody. But when you get your posters up there, I'm going to challenge everybody to download a poster and a letter to go with it and make that your personal mission to get, take a prisoner and go out there and get these letters signed for them, whether it's in your family, your church, your, your go into your community, step out to your community with a poster and and a let and some letters and that's what I'm going to ask people to do when you get get your poster signed up there. That's great. And right now they can still do the letters even if it is just with family members or friends, but or even just yourself. Any letters will help. And uh, there's an address to send them all in. And I will co- I'm coordinating with family members of various inmates um, who are going to do the follow up mailings with all these letters. Uh, I'm doing it for Paul as he doesn't have any close friends, family that's. Uh, in the country, but um, in the other cases, we have Craig Cecil's daughters handling it, Michael Pelletier's sister, um, Antonio Bascaro's daughter. So I'm coordinating with all these family members, Andy Cox's mother. So. Well, we've we've got some more letters to send you. Mindy currently has them in her custody in Portland, Oregon, and she's getting ready to mail them off. But um, we what I what we did with your letters or, or with your letters is we printed out your letters and we took it to the street of downtown Portland, Oregon. And it was so easy and fun day in the park. Like about five of us gathered to help get clemency letters and not one person who came around us. It was their little um, park that they have right in the center of downtown Portland. But one person um, disagreed with us and everybody wow. was so shocked from the public community. Cause I know it's real easy to get letters signed at events most of the mm-hmm. time, but we weren't sure. Yeah. How we not always. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah, it's not always easy at events. It really was interesting to me sociologically. Oh, we so went fun. to um, Michigan last year for the High Times Cup, and the difference between the High Times Cup in California and in Michigan was night and day. Uh, it really, oh. people were very resistant to signing the letters. They, yeah, maybe later. Nah, nah, nah. Luckily, Beth Curtis, sister of John Knock, came out one day and she saved the day because it was impossible for people to say no to this sweet little lady whose brother was incarcerated. <laughs> but, but in general, uh, it was very difficult in Michigan, where we in California everybody is eager to sign the letters. So it really uh, geographically can depend. People are more suspicious there. I don't know what the problem was, but well. 
we just instantly ran out of letters here in California. It was not so in Michigan. Um, so come on, Michigan folks, let's get with it. <laughs> uh, some well, of you were Terry, great, we, but in, we hmm? plan on having those letters at the Seattle March up here this Saturday, and also we we just have to find a sponsor to help us print them. So if anybody's listening and would like to help sponsor our letters, um, we have want to give special thanks to Lance Gore's mother Tracy and his girlfriend Heather, who got them uh, printed for us last time out of their own money. So we want to especially oh, thank, thank them. But if yeah, yeah, but if anybody else wants to donate, um, you know, 40, 50 bucks to get a bunch of letters so we can get them printed for the Seattle March and the Portland March, we would appreciate it. Otherwise, we're going to go in our own pockets, which we are kind of all broke right now. So if anybody wants to help us out, we would appreciate it. But uh, we, Sherry, we plan on getting a whole bunch signed, too. Oh, that's so. wonderful, and the guys will be very excited, and we will make sure they all get yeah. sent to the president and the pardon attorney. Now, I've seen uh, pictures of you. I've seen pictures of you in the past um, representing at, at Freedom Marches. Are you planning on um, representing at a Freedom March this year? Um, I'm sure. I'm, I'm probably. I don't have anything on the books right now, but when the opportunities arise, yes, we are usually there <laughs> any, any way we can to spread awareness of this issue. Because let's face it, the lifers are really the dirty little secret of the Justice Department. Nobody knows they exist. People, as you said, people are shocked to learn it, and they should be shocked. And I think one of the most difficult things we as advocates have to deal with in in dealing with the lifers is it's so unbelievable people don't believe it. They really, um, a lot of people think there's something you're not telling me. There must be a dead body there somewhere. If somebody served a life, somebody died. You know, and that's not the case. That's true. It's absolutely true what Sherry says. That's absolutely true. Sherry, uh, I I just want to emphasize one thing that for our listeners, and uh, and you you mentioned it, Paul Free had a hard time getting back into court. Uh, Right. People don't realize that. In the AEDPA, the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act of 1996, it was done for Timothy McVeigh, and that restricted us as prisoners from getting back into court. It was an effective canceling of uh, or modifying habeas corpus to the extent that you just couldn't go back into court. And uh, it, the justification was terrorism, which had nothing to do with the right, with with all the prisoners it affected, it was just it was just a political boondoggle that they they put out there. And that's 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 one law that really should be repealed. It's 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 such an undermining of our basic constitutional rights of habeas corpus that is to be able to go at any time in the court and and exactly. uh, Try to it's get our very serious. It's nearly impossible for a prisoner to get back into court, uh, even even like in a case of Paul, where there is significant new evidence here. And according to the law, he should be allowed to get back into court. But you know, they just tend to rubber stamp things. And, and I know Eugene, you know this as well. If a prisoner is filing an appeal by himself as opposed to an attorney, even it even doubly so, just rubber stamp it, no. <laughs> and that is usually how business is done, unfortunately. It's just rubber stamp, <laughs> deny, deny, deny. Sherry, so, yeah, do you know Paul, what one, one judge wrote from, from the Seventh Circuit where I was in, wrote about me and my appeals? It said, there goes Fisher again, trying to get himself out of prison. You know, like, like let him yeah. get settled back <laughs> and do his life sentence, you know? 
Oh. Yeah, yeah, it is tragic, and so it's nearly impossible. So, yeah, and Paul is very encouraged that finally the court at least is taking a look at this. He, you know, he's just happy they at least had to read the first page of it at least to get this far. So, mm-hmm. because in many cases when he's been denied in the past, it's obvious that they never even bothered to read the first paragraph, let alone anything. It was just denied. You know, and it's very obvious they never even bothered to read it. It comes from a prisoner, deny. That's usually well, how it's done. So, you guys, I just want to mention real quickly um, before, um, if we are just um, cut off and, and we're about to throw Craig Cecil in the in the call here pretty soon, He's um, he mm-hmm. should be calling in any time. So if I disappear, that's why. But then um, I also wanted to um, say, if, if you're listening to our show right now and you want to know more about Sherry Sicard's website, um, there's an image that's being presented on the slideshow. So if you didn't write down her the website address, you can see the website address on our picture slideshow. So please go to her website um, and check her out. Um, Thank you. And if you want to do an event, um, an event, and either an event or an individual thing where you want to get letters signed, you know, you could go to her website and e- email her. Can they email you from there? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can email email for Project Cool, cool, cool. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's talk just a little bit about Craig because he's about to be calling in for a second. And Sherry, I know you're a huge advocate for Craig. Yep, I run Craig's uh, social media. I ran his website, which now I've moved to Marijuana Life for Project, but um, we're still running that. And I've been working with Craig for I guess about three years now too. Yeah, since I started this. Uh, Randy Lanier was my first, <laughs> and I think uh, Craig and Paul were probably and he's free second now. and third. He is free, yeah. Uh, actually, six yeah. people I've been working with are free, so that's pretty amazing. Um, not that I can personally take credit for that, but it's still pretty amazing. When I was going through the the list the other day of all the addresses, there was a number of them that are no longer um, behind bars, which is wonderful. I mean, last time we did the High Times Cup, we were collecting letters for Billy Deagle, and now we don't have to anymore. He's home with his family, as it should be. So that's really one of the most rewarding things, too, that's happened to me. Billy Deagle is a very, very good friend of mine, Sherry. We mm-hmm. did much of years together. He's a really good guy. He is. He's terrific, and so glad he's home. Um, he was in in uh, USP Pollock with Andy Cox, who is still there, and I know Andy's thrilled for Billy, but he sure misses him. They they were really good buddies, and uh, they hung out a lot, and they played uh, racket handball, I think. And I know Andy really misses Billy, but he's he's really thrilled that he's home as well. Is Billy reunited with his family? Jerry, is Billy back with his family? Is Billy back? He's finally back. He spent about a month or more in a halfway house, and now he is on. He still has a lot of restrictions. He's on home confinement, but at least he's home with his wife and where he can see his kids and grandkids. So he is home. Yeah, it is wonderful. And Billy was very lucky. He had a very loving family that was supportive of him and waiting for him. His wife was waiting for him, his kids, and he was very fortunate. He got to go back into his old life. And as you know, not all prisoners are so lucky. Charles Cundiff also got clemency, and sadly, nobody was waiting for him, you know, other than one old high school buddy. And and it's a real struggle for him. He's he's disabled. He's older. The world has changed. 
significantly since he went in. So um, Billy was very lucky to have that support system, but not all of our POWs do. Um, Charles could really need help if anybody is in Florida that can help him or that anybody has money they can donate. He's really struggling. It's hard once you're separated from society and your family for so many years. Yeah. It's very hard. And not, not everybody has families that stuck by them. Like I said, Billy was very lucky, but Charles was not so lucky. So it really is an individual basis, but it is very tough when when the world has changed and all of a sudden he's he's out there and, and there's no support system. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but we fight on, and uh, we try to be uh, as supportive as we can. I, I just want to say this, Sherry. Uh, everyone is so thankful, and I'm telling you personally, I'm so thankful that there's there are people like you that do so much for the for the guys and women in prison over marijuana charges, and it, mm-hmm. it's just a wonderful thing to do. I have to. It's an issue that really haunts me. I can't not do something about this. That would make me feel horrible and guilty. And yes, I have to do this. It's just the right thing to do. But not everyone sees it that way. Again, I I just give you my personal appreciation for what you're doing. Uh, Well, thank you. I I appreciate it. And I know, and that's heartfelt. And I know, I know other people feel that way, and especially the prisoners. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and I encourage everybody to please check out the website, gather letters, write to a prisoner, get involved. It will make your life rewarding as well as theirs. Wonderful. Okay. Okay. Did we lose I Craig? Think probably we're about ready for, for Craig coming on. All right. Well, I will leave you guys. Check us out online, marijuanalifeproject.org, and thanks for having me on. Thank you, my dear. All right. Okay, Christian. Bye. Is Christian there? Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Craig. Good. Good morning from sunny Terre Haute, Indiana. <laughs> good morning, Craig. How are you? Good, good. The, the good news is it's sunny and warm here. and Right now I can <laughs> see through the bars of the window, and I'm looking right at a guard tower right over the razor wire. <laughs> 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 Craig, we were, we were just talking to Sherry Sicard. Um, and she was telling us about all the letters she got signed at the High Times Cup. That is fantastic, and uh, there were so many people I I gather that were really active there, and as as you and Mindy and and others were were so active in, in up in your area, and I mean this this is the best thing I think to for people like me to get our petition somehow set apart from the other ten thousand that are at the pardon attorney's office. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, she said she got over a thousand of them. And Stephanie Landis, she's coming on the show um, here at 10 from Freedom Grow, and she apparently raised a whole bunch of uh, commissary money also. That's what I understand. And as you know, Stephanie Lambda knows a few things about federal prison also. <laughs> yeah, she's an <at> <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's funny. I, I get jokes that uh, Gene would understand is from uh, Amy and from Stephanie about, uh, for instance, on Wednesday, wishing me a happy burnt hamburger with a with a soggy tomato. <laughs> Throughout the Bureau of Prisons, every Wednesday they serve hamburgers, and that's pretty much the way they're served. <laughs> <laughs> and they're lousy hamburgers. Yes, they are. <laughs> and uh, they've done away with French fries. They they don't allow them to fry any more foods in the Bureau of Prisons. So there, there's no more French fries with the uh, <laughs> with the hamburgers. Now they bake slices of potatoes, which are kind of difficult to explain. <laughs> <laughs> They're it's not for your you, health. They're not what your it's mother would help. <laughs> yeah. So that you don't have fried food. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow! But, wow. So, Craig, what what have you been up to this week? This week has been fairly quiet here. Um, of course, it was uh, 4:20 this week. This call is from a federal prison. I did watch the TV for the, you know, the coverage that they gave to different 420 events throughout the country. Uh, I noticed that the at the White House there was a bunch of people smoking uh, homemade cigarettes in front of it. <laughs> and uh, I think I think there was a lot of that going on, you know, across the country. <laughs> hey, hey, Craig, what what does the cigarette sell for in prison now? Um, I think uh, right now they're about uh, a book of stamps, which would be twenty dollars. Okay. Does everyone, did everyone listening in here, hear that one cigarette in federal prison, which is contraband, because they said no smoking to protect prisoners' lives from smoke. That's that's being sarcastic. One cigarette costs twenty dollars. That means a pack of cigarettes. Greg, if my mathematics is right, is is four hundred dollars. That's about is right. Is that right? That is about right. Yes, it is. Now, now, Craig, let me ask you a question. What? Uh, it's obvious that these cigarettes just don't come in by themselves. So, what's the principal source of those cigarettes coming in? Are the guards bringing them in? Yes. Uh... The guards bring them in actually several different ways. But one thing that's kind of odd about the Bureau of Prisons is the prison guards can smoke right in front of the inmates. They Oh, that is mean. And the most common place for them to smoke is in doorways, doorways going to the outside. So the prisoners have to pass through the smoke to go in and out of the different, you know, buildings and departments throughout the institution. And, and you know, people throw their cigarette butts with, you know, some uh, residual tobacco left on it and things like that around the prison. And, and that's where most of the cigarettes come from. The jobs to sweep up in front of the doorways are very, very sought-after jobs because they grab the <laughs> cigarette butts and sell them for large amounts of money. So <laughs> it's hard to believe one of the most sought-after jobs <laughs> is sweeping up in front of doorways. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's prohibited for guards to smoke in those smoking areas which prisons are considered. But, of course, that's violated, as you say. 
Right, and uh, inmates have complained about it since 2006 when uh, they took the smoking out of the Bureau of Prisons. Inmates have complained especially about the secondhand smoke and things of those nature. And the only answer that the Bureau of Prison gives is that it's up to the warden how to treat his staff and whether he should allow his staff to smoke within the prison. And, of course, the prisons, like no other federal agency is beyond being audited or being inspected. I mean, it's not as if inspectors can come in off the street and look through the prison to see, you know, are they smoking on the prison property or all that, because they're, the prisons are just beyond in, in you know, accountability. There, there's nobody that can come in and, and see what they're actually doing within the prisons. And that's where, you know, so many different policies and practice come to be within the Bureau of Prisons because no matter what kind of rules they make, like the federal rules and laws prohibiting smoking on federal uh, properties, the Bureau of Prisons is effectively immune from it because there's nobody to enforce those laws here. Nobody can come in and and actually look around or or actually, you know, even see what's going on. The the Bureau of Prisons staffers kind of write their own rules as they go. Rules and laws really don't impact them very much. Huh. Um, Craig, I have a question for you. So we've learned, we're, we're not also just working on VAL, Voices of the Cannabis War, but we've also been working on this project called Project Deschedule. We've, and it's been getting a little bit of attention out there. But we've, we've learned to find out that the federal government has announced that they will be announcing whether or not they're going to reschedule. So our thing is that we've been trying to put attention towards descheduling versus rescheduling. We're getting ready to ask for a meeting uh, with the DEA um, to let them know our side of why it should just be descheduled, period. But what do you think about their intent to possibly reschedule, and are you worried that it might be rescheduled to a two? I am very worried that they'll reschedule marijuana from its current Schedule 1 status to a Schedule 2 status. The difference between those two designations is whether it has a potential use as a as a medicine. So, for instance, cocaine and methamphetamine are considered Schedule II uh, controlled substances, whereas marijuana is considered Schedule One, which the federal government has uh, basically defined it as having, you know, no real possible medical. Um, use or you know and so it's really up there with uh, heroin and some of the others uh, that you know really don't have a medical use well the problem with that designation though is that it also prohibits uh, universities and the like from getting marijuana and testing it on its potential you know uh, as a medicine for seizures and for you know regulating heartbeat and all the different things that it seems to actually help people with, but as long as they keep it Schedule 1, it's kind of a dead end because, you know, it can't be used in research because it, it's prohibited even in that. It's already been determined by the federal government not to have a medicinal value. But the the problem, I think, in the long haul is if they change it to a Schedule 2, a lot of people will feel as if the war is over, if the, as if the war is won. But the uh, federal drug laws find uh, that I'm convicted under the gene and, and really half of the federal prisoners are convicted under is Title 21 United States Code Section 841, which says 
uh, that a person possesses with intent to distribute a controlled substance that is either Schedule One or Schedule Two. It doesn't change the illegality or even the sentencing guidelines for marijuana. So uh, people that they'd be looking at out on the street, the, their sentences would stay, the, you know, the, their potential sentences would remain the same, and, and those of us already sentenced, our sentences would remain the same. But there would be too many people that would, you know, I, I'm afraid that, that would, would think that, well, we've won the war, we've got it rescheduled to Schedule 2, and, and I don't think that would actually be, I don't think it would be a victory. Well, we're trying to keep it. We want it descheduled, and we feel like it should just be. We should be able to regulate it how we want to regulate it, and not have the federal government involved. So, that's what we're shooting for. But, um, like I said, they they announced that they will be uh, possibly rescheduling on June by June June thirtieth. Like I say, I, I look forward to at least them looking at it and considering changes. But I'm worried that 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 changes, you know, just simply changing it to a Schedule 2 might actually be a step back for us and that, you know, uh, people might, you know, think that, okay, we, you know, now it can be prescribed, now there can be me- medicinal marijuana, so everything's fine. Whereas in reality, you know, the people that run the dispensaries would still be getting arrested for distributing uh, a controlled substance. Craig, you right. realize well, that it's all about it's all about the commercial commercial pharmacy, pharmaceutical companies. They wanted the schedule two, so they can get involved in in the money making aspects of of marijuana. I agree. If a, if a large multinational drug company could, you know, get that designation and distribute it, you know, as they might methamphetamine or or even drugs such as Oxycontin and all that, which are scheduled to. Um, you know, like you say, they, they would corner the market just as they now do with the the different oxycodone medicines. Right. So, well, it looks like there's only about a couple more minutes left. Craig, is there anything that you want our listeners to hear that we didn't get a chance to talk about yet? Um, well, the biggest uh, story from my daughter this week is she was very excited to see at change.org the petition which bears my name uh, has gathered, I believe, uh, well over a thousand signatures. Oh, wow. Wow, nice. This call is from a federal prison. So she's been very excited about that and the, the comments that uh, have been left there. So I just wanted to ask people, if you haven't went to change.org, please go there and look at uh, the petition that's named Craig Cecil. And be honest, I don't know what that site looks like, but I don't think it's, it should be too hard to navigate. It's cool. It's cool. It has a picture of you and your kids, and it's really sweet when you were, they were little. I've, I've been sharing it. Mindy's been sharing it. Um, we put it on our Voices of the Cannabis War page. So if you want to sign that petition, I'm going to find it and share it right now. So um, anybody's listening, go, go on there and share it too. Well, thank you, because, again, it's those those efforts that will – right now the there's over 10,000 petitions waiting at the pardon attorney's office to get processed by the seven attorneys that man that office. 
So it really makes a big difference if there's something that could set my petition apart from the other 9,999 that are sitting there. <laughs> right, right. And I think that, you know, it's efforts such as those that will, you know, uh, set my petition apart where it, it may get noticed by those seven attorneys. For sure, for sure. Well, Craig, um, I'm going to wish you well because I don't think we have very much time left, but I'm going to wish you well this week. And I hope you feel, I hope you have a good week. I hope so, too. We, This is the time of year for fog, so we're going to be locked in ourselves quite a bit during those fog counts we discussed last week. <laughs> Which are kind of funny that they they wait out the fog and then they run around and count everybody just to make sure we're all still here. Oh, wow. But we had another one of those this morning. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for shining a light on me and the others that are are in here because of a a plan. And uh, hopefully that that step towards Schedule 2 would be, you know, just a small step towards a whole bunch of them that are coming. For sure, for sure. Thank you, Craig. We love you. Thank you, and I love all the help, and I thank everybody for help shining a light on us. For sure, for sure. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, Mindy. Well, there's, there's Craig Cecil. He is on his 13th year of his life sentence in prison right now for cannabis. And we just, uh, we've done a lot of outreach regarding our lifers today because we had Sherry Sicard on. Um, But next we have a man who was sentenced to life in prison and he got out after 33 years. Um, He is a hero to all of us, but he's especially good and best friends of Eugene Fisher, who who was the host of this show. So they were they were prison friends, and they did all kinds of good things in prison, like rally together the NAACP group. They they organized a march, civil rights march. Um, they taught classes on how to be good people, because that's what our plant prisoners do, is they're good people. So check um, out George Monterano in Georgie's Corner. Good morning, George. Hey, good morning, Christian. Good morning, Jean. Good morning, George. Good morning. Yes, yes. Well, it's not, it's really, it's earlier there, right? Christian, you're out on the West Coast, right? Yes, I'm over in Washington by the, but close to the Seattle area. Okay. Well, hopefully I'll be seeing you in August. But anyway. Yes, I hope uh, so too. I was just at a party where um, they were talking about you, um, uh, the Seattle Hemp Fest party this, this weekend at 420, and you were pictures all over the party. Well, I can't wait to deliver some uh, profound speeches because, uh, you know, what uh, us cannabis guys been through, like today's show is basically about uh, actually courtroom justice, I believe. But <clears throat> there was a certain courtroom that uh, was actually housed in Marion, maximum security prison. Uh, that's where Gene went to trial. Basically, I think they conducted in the sometimes right in the hallway. A federal courtroom right in the hallway. Anyway, I wrote a little something, and here it goes. Prison courtroom lies in room of stone. Once within thy souls alone. Pray, wish, and want, for justice you shall not have. Cometh, my friend, you'll do 
your sentence till Satan's given end. <clears throat> An excellent reference to this courtroom. Uh, Gene's well aware of it. It was the same judge there forever. And it was the only federal prison designed to have a courtroom because they uh, wouldn't let any prisoners leave to go to court. So uh, I got there, and uh, not to, I wasn't supposed to be there, and I had what's called the prisoner's uh, remedies, where you file you file steps to the warden, the region, central office, etc., and see if you can get yourself out of there. But nobody's winning remedies, uh, Bureau of Prisons remedies to get out of there, no one, because then that would set pattern for other men to utilize it. So same with in the courtroom. Once you go into that courtroom anyway, uh, this is how you go. You get stripped in your cell, okay? Then you're taken to uh, uh, an R&D. Stripped again, okay? And then you're uh, putting, uh, well, you're in chains the whole time. From point A, point B to point C, you have leg irons and you're handcuffed behind your back. So now they bring you to the courtroom and there's another cell. And you're stripped again. Now each each, each part, place you go, you have to go in a cell, you have to bend, uh, uh, bend your arms up to the bar so you can handcuff. So you have to go to these three chain strip downs before you get to uh, the courtroom. Now, the last set of uh, chains is special. It's special because that judge doesn't want any problems, so they have more secure restraints on you. So how do you get justice when you're chained up there asking for uh, your rights? So... Uh, then I had a decision to make. Uh, my lawyer, when I was ready to uh, advance my uh, administrative remedies, that's where I lost. But then we had to make a decision, well, we're going to go into this courtroom. So, and uh, I'm chained. Uh, I would be, I wasn't, I never made it to the courtroom because I decided that if I lost, actually, if I lost, I could never, I could, it could hold me there forever. So I had to contemplate that decision. If I go into this courtroom and I state the reasons why I shouldn't be at this institution, okay, I wasn't sentenced to, uh, to maximum security prison. I wasn't sentenced to those years of solitary. I was sentenced to life, no parole. So then my lawyer said, George, it's your call because if I file this petition and you lose, they have the right to keep you there as long as they want. So I, I said, no, I'd rather go through my tenure. And back then, if you were uh, completely good conduct, it was 24 to 36 months. Uh, now it's basically, you hit there, it's indefinite. They don't even have to tell you you're ever leaving ADX. So I wanted to share that with you about the kind of Gene knows well of that court, right, Gene? Yeah, Georgie, uh, uh, I know uh, Judge Foreman very well, and I know the situation. Uh, it, it was a horrible situation, and uh, I, I feel for you. I feel for what you said about the strip downs. How many times we have to go through strip downs while we're in federal prison? It's a demeaning practice. You kind of wipe it out of your mind when it happens, because but you think about it for a while, and it's as demeaning as you can get. Having to strip down before another person, uh, lift your genitals, bend over. Uh, do all these horrible things just just for their, the sake of the, their administration and and their their things, Georgie. 
and and women women go through that too. Christine, Christine, they go through that also. It's just terrible. I can't I mean, Especially when you're, if your record doesn't warrant it, you're not you're not there for violence. You haven't hurt no one. And uh, I went I went through that for years. Got so much that uh, that I'm, when I did my speech in front of the University of Penn, I uh, I did a little skit with the chain, and I told them this. Basically, I wrapped the chains around my wrist in front of an audience over a thousand, and I told them this is how I lived. Basically, this is how I lived for over three decades. And uh, like the courtroom situation, uh-huh. that is about. I mean, the federal. It's difficult to get a, 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 some, to win something in federal court. Because they, you know, they just don't want to set president. They don't want. But you're not getting any president, any decision in that particular courtroom when I dress whatsoever. So all the years I heard, nobody has. Well, now I think they switched to security. It's not a maximum security. But I think for the twenty-something years it was there, almost thirty years, no one had won a decision yet in that courtroom. Gene. Yeah, George, as you described the shackles and chains and all of that, I also think of the infamous black boxes they used to put on us. Oh, my word, yeah. Can you tell us what they are, George? Well, the black box is for when you have a maximum security uh, attached to your sentence, basically. Or you did some act that they believe they put it on you temporary, but temporary can mean one to ten years. Or you could have it on for your whole incarceration and it's it's a handcuff, and then they take this metal box, and you know as your handcuffs they have they about you have about eight inches of chain that you can you know wipe your nose if try to eat, et cetera, and you know when you have to uh uh use the 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 restroom, you have some kind of play within the chain, but the black box there is none, and you have to be a very schooled prisoners to understand it because if you start moving it, you start sliding it up your wrist and only it only would go maybe two inches either way, maybe an inch. It starts to uh, swell the wrist and uh it can be I seen guys' hands uh look like pancakes after a day and um, you had to you had to actually once they're on, do not move them. Do not move them for I've been in situations where I didn't move them for fifteen, sixteen, eighteen hours. And uh, it's just a terrible situation, Dean. Yeah, George, as you say that, I think about uh, what we say about inhumane treatment of prisoners and how we rally all over the world against it as a country, and yet we we do this in our own country. Uh, it's, right, well, it's amazing. I hope I get the show so I can just tell the truth by expressing the, you know, reenact the stories of my story. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm speaking at uh, a high school, no, a grammar school, two eighth graders, two eighth grade classes soon. Uh, I'm still picking up children, uh, you know, nine and ten year olds. Uh, there's at least three families in the neighborhood that when they get uh, jammed up on something, they ask me. And uh, I, I know all the staff. So was I a beast? Were you a beast, Gene? Certainly not. Was uh Christian's uh, 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 dad a beast? Certainly not. So you know it has to be this whole thing. We don't mind being punished, punish us fairly, punish us as human beings. Gene. George, I have a George, I have a question for you. Are you still sleeping um, in the treehouse? 
No, I'm I'm up in Philly now. Uh, I was I was sleeping in the tent in the treehouse in Florida, and I miss it. I'm trying to go down there for a speaking engagement, uh-huh. so I could see the family. Most important, but uh, I want to see how my sister still hasn't taken it down. She won't take it down. She says she just loves. She gets up early and she just loves. She thinks of me out there in the tent. <clears throat> but you know, I, uh, I I'm making arrangements for something up here this summer, maybe down the seashore if they'll let me. Go away for a few weeks down the shore. I'll be sleeping outside there, and um, I'm thinking about something on the porch here. But it's hard getting a date, Christine. <laughs> I, I just, I sleep, just think that was so. When you sleep outside, you can't get a date. <laughs> no, well, you know what? I just think it's so so inspiring that you you choose to be, to sleep outside after being in a prison cell for over 33 years. Like I. It touches my heart. I don't know why anybody would want to go on a date with you because of that. Yeah, there's a reporter wants to do an article because they know I don't even want like to get in cars. I run all over the city. I might have two or three appointments and run all over the city, and then I cover <laughs> maybe sometimes 10 to 12 miles. Just today, six miles, two appointments. And then in the evening, uh, I'll make it so where I could walk. I don't even like getting in cars. Forget about a bus. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. You just need so to I just so I just wish I could, you know, how I feel inside, free. You know, I just wish I could put it in a jar and give it to the world and say, "This is a feeling. This is a feeling that was taken away from me Aww. so cruelly for so long." That's what I would love to do. Hey, Georgie, so, I met I met your I met your cousin uh, who oh, okay, has the. Yeah, a wonderful man. He has these beautiful restaurants, high-class Italian restaurants, and right. uh, he thinks the world of Georgie. Georgie has a beautiful family. For all our listeners, uh, they they they've stood by him, and they really they they love him as they should. He's a good guy, and uh, this uh, Stephen Maturano is a wonderful person. I had a very very good time with him yesterday. Yeah, he worked hard all his life, and. Uh... I used to I used to not pay attention to him. I was off on another road, and he stood the best road for him, and it barely paid off. So <clears throat> I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. And, uh, he has five, you know, five restaurants now, George, five restaurants. I he think, has five, he? soon to have one in L.A. He'll be having one in L.A. and, uh, <clears throat> and probably New York. Oh, no, Orlando, Orlando next. And then L.A. and then New York. So it's just, it's just, uh, it's you know, well, what's good about all his places? He has, uh, uh, he's putting people to work, and he's teaching a lot of young people the right trade. So he's helping a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of families, which is so important today. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, uh, uh, George, he's he's a wonderful person, and he expressed that. He said. He's not just in business to make money. He's in business to do something, to be a significant right. factor, and that, and that's what he's doing. And right. uh, just just so our listeners know, this is a part of the extended Toronto family. Nice, nice. Okay. Well, um, all right, guys. You guys, so, huh? George, um, we've we've got our next guest on the line, Stephanie Landa, and you you know Stephanie. She uh, she has Freedom Grow. She raises commissary money for prisoners, but. She just right. did the weekend. Yeah. 
she just spent the weekend at the High Times Cup, and she raised a bunch more commissary. But um, we're going to talk to her. But is there anything that you would like our listeners to know before we get off the phone with you? Just say, uh, you know, uh, I so I would, you know, I so enjoying this free, but I feel so bad for Craig when I, you know, I he's on before I, and then I listen and I hear the, you know, the the humdrum noise back in the cell block, and uh, Gene lived it and I lived it, and it's just. Uh, just annoys me. Just annoys me. So oh. when he hangs up the phone, he turns around and faces the cell. And when I click off the, the cell, my cell phone, I turn around and face freedom. So it really oh. bothers me. Yeah. It bothers me so, too. It uh, bothers me. All right. So I'll try to tell, tell everyone I'll, I'll be seeing you soon. Christine all right, we love and you, uh, Gene, we'll talk later. Okay. All righty. All right. All right. Okay. Bye, George. Bye, bye. Thank you. Bye, bye. 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 Um, so we have a, we have Stephanie and we're, we're close friends with Stephanie, but for our listeners who don't know Stephanie, Stephanie was ex POW. She went to prison for cannabis. Her son, Max is now locked up in prison for cannabis. And Stephanie, you know, we just talked to George and George is talking about, you know, he has to, that Craig has to go back and live in that nightmare, basically in prison. But what Stephanie does is she tries to make that nightmare just a little bit better by raising commissary money for them so that they don't have to go without um, because they are forced to work for less than 12 cents an hour. They're shackled every day. You know, if they can't work for them, they're not going to give you no medical care. Rest in peace, dad. Um, They're just going to basically just let you die. Well, Stephanie's there to kind of put a little bit of a bandaid on that. And she just recently attended um, the high times cup in Southern California where she, um, her group called Freedom Grow, raised commissary money for our prisoners. So we're about to talk to Stephanie and find out what was going on at the High Times Cup and whatever else she wants to let us know about. Hi. Good, good morning, Hi. Stephanie. Stephanie. Hi. Good morning. Hi. How's everybody? Good. Hi. Good morning, Stephanie. Um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm so overwhelmed, like, most of the time of every day. And, of course, listening to George makes me a little more overwhelmed because all you people out there, federal prison is supposedly better than state. State is better than county. Well, my kid's in state. And just, I mean, oy vey. It's like, really, they're Everyone we listen to and we hear about and we hear stories about, they're locked up for pot, all good people. This is so amazing. Because they could lock up so many good people. Like, my kid's not an angel, but he's a good person. Like, inside, he's good. And he has that heart. And having him in prison is just, it was hard enough having everyone else in prison. But having him in prison has made me really, really mad. And Amy, bless her heart, and Dina and Jason and I are going to Washington, D.C. 
and um, they're having a re-entry to society conference, blah, 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 different meetings with congressmen and in the White House. And it's just uh, has definitely given me a diversion. I'm not sitting there crying anymore. I'm packing my bag. I'm doing things that count. And I know that it's going to drive me crazy not to get the mail every day because, you know, my kid can't write. And he has written. And um, he's like, this is never going to happen again, Mom. I'm so sorry. So sorry. I would never blame him or any other person in jail for thought, for being in jail. It's all on our government. Our government needs to get a grip and let everyone go home. We're all in jail for no reason. There's not a reason that we should be there. Not one. And I'm not there, but having my kids here is, you know, I would change places with them in a hot New York second. Like, as soon as I could, I would just drive there and they could lock me up. Oh, in a men's prison. It might not even be that bad. But... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So, so, um, anyway, the High Times Cup... Thank you so much for having a cup that I can go to every two months and raise money because it is not a piece of cake because I'm 70, but it is close to a piece of cake. And I don't care what anybody says about high times. I so love them. And I talked to one of them that's in their office, and they're going to bring it up at before the next high times about putting 25 cents on every ticket. So we'll see if that works out. Dr. Dina and Jason, I can't say enough great, great things about Oz Weho and them and taking me there and giving me a great booth and paying for all the expenses and my hotel. It's just like they can't go more out of their way. And, I mean, they just have so much heart in this. It's the only dispensary that's totally stood up. And $3,000 for the weekend. Whoa, $3,000? Yeah, so like 30 people are going to get $100 again. I hope everybody understands. I feel really guilty. You know, Jewish people are guilty for everything. But I feel really guilty that I haven't gotten this together. I've put the money away, and I have to go to Washington. So when I come back, I'm going to do this. But I don't want anybody to think that I didn't run to the post office. I just haven't had a minute. So so uh, in a week, I'll be back When are you going to D.C.? This week you're going to D.C.? I'm going on. Well, Dina and Jason are taking me to Las Vegas on the way to uh, D.C. So today we're leaving and going to Las Vegas. I haven't been there in 50 years. And the Flamingo was the place that I stayed. It was the biggest hotel then. So they're like like really excited to kind of give me diversion all the time so that, you know, because I haven't been able to go to work and... Things are hard, you know. Right. They kidnapped my baby. 
and you can't call on the telephone for five months. It's not like federal prison where you can, because they're in reception, and that's the way state prison works. You go to Delano, which is two hours and 19 minutes from here, and they lock you up, and for five months there's no phones. And then they send you somewhere else. Oh, my God. Um, I put in my visiting papers, and they said that it takes eight weeks. And I've made friends with a guard on the telephone in the visiting room, and he said, I can't speed it up any. And then, like, you know, I was just, like, crying hysterically. And he said, okay, hold on. I will see if he's okay. So I guess he went wherever he had to go, and then he came back, and he said, He's in a dorm. There's other young people there. Because I watched this video about Delano Prison, State Prison, and compared to the video, my kid looks like he's in grammar school. So I was just hmm. all the way freaked out of, like, how hard these, all these prisoners looked. Because he's no longer in low security. He has to be in medium security because it's the same charge as five years ago. So Wow. Um, so the people oh. kind of hard to me, but anyway, this guard said, no, he's okay. And then he came back. And so I've been calling him like every day. And so I don't get to speak to Max, but I get to speak to this guard that tells me my kid's not dead. Okay. So that has helped. I hope I'm not getting him in trouble, but that has helped me. You know, I mean, I... torture us families. We're... This is torture. I just like yeah. I've huh. Um, well? if you give me his oh. address, I'll if you give me his address, I'll make like a little flyer. People can get his address and write him letters and stuff. Okay. Well, the last time I did that, he only writes back to people that he knows. So it made oh, him okay. feel bad to get letters that he didn't write back to. You know. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. I know, I know. So, like, if everybody understands that he's not going to write back, and then I tell him that he doesn't have to feel guilty, I'm telling this Jewish religion is driving people crazy. <laughs> so, like, you know, you get born into it, and then you worry about all this crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> crazy, crazy. Um, okay, well, I will do that when I get back from Washington. And, you know, if people could send them postcards, that's always so fun when you're in prison. If you just send postcards to different places, they feel like they're going there with you. you know, right, right. I know when I got postcards, it was better than a letter because it was some visual image. And it's usually easier for people because they only have to write a postcard. So they don't even have to know what to say. Right. So just a little subtle hint to people that postcards are great. And <laughs> the other the other hint is to write in pencil. Any greeting cards you send, any postcards you send, write in pencil because it can be erased and then it can be sent out again. You can't send anything blank, but you can write in pencil. My thanks for the day. <laughs> if somebody wants to, now the cup is over, and that's no reason to stop raising commissary when you're right. So if somebody wanted to 
still help the prisoners, but, you know, the cop, they can't go to the cup to do it. Um, how could they help commissary money for a prisoner? Okay. Um, go to freedomgrow.org, and we have a donate button, and we know who sends it and everything, so we can, like, you know, tell everyone. I, I, I know that, I mean, if people didn't want credit, we could do a lot more in this world. But everybody feels good about getting acknowledged, and I feel good myself, you know. So you could go there, or you could call me up on the telephone. If you're local, I'll come running over. 818 What? Oh, no, go ahead. Eight, oh, okay, sorry. 818-652-7891. Call me if you're in trouble. Call me if you need to talk. Call me if your son or daughter's in jail. Call me if you're anybody. Just, you could call me. I, you know, I don't mind at all. No one ever calls, but I don't mind. So, um, Stephanie, I just and I love remind all, all of our listeners. And I want to remind all of our listeners, too, that you are a, a federally recognized 501c3. That's a nonprofit organization. So any donations um, could be claimed on your taxes. So if you're a business and you want to donate a lot of money, it could be a tax write-off. Yes. That's true. I always forget that part. Um, <laughs> I got it. I know. <laughs> okay, well, I thank you for letting me talk. It always helps me a lot. Hi, Gene. All right. Is Gene okay, gone? Stephanie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's here. I'm sorry I didn't get to see you last time, Gene, but for sure next time I will be there. I just you know, I was having a lot of trouble getting it together to leave the house. I so, understand. I, I you know, was now I'm going to leave the house and go on a huge trip. <laughs> cool. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, thank so you, Stephanie. next Andrew. Sunday, I will let you know what happens. Stay tuned in for Washington, D.C. Yay. <laughs> you give us I know. Right from Pretty DC. exciting. Go, go Stephanie. I, I know. I know. <laughs> it's so crazy. Okay. Thank you, Amy. Bye. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Dina. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Eugene. Thank everybody. For everything. Cool, cool. Thank you. All okay, right. Bye. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Uh, for our listeners, that was Stephanie Landa, ex P-O-W from Freedom Grow, uh, freedomgrow.org. Just make commissary donation to our prisoners because they're really suffering behind prison and some of them don't even have the basic things they need because they don't have the money to afford it. So they have to work. You know, you, you put give them 20 bucks, they have to work almost a whole month to make $20. Um, next, we're going to go to Tom Corby who is a court support uh, chapter coordinator, prison outreach coordinator for the Human Solution International for the Northern California. Tom is also an ex-defendant who was facing cannabis charges, him and his wife. And he is waiting to tell us all the current news going coming straight out of Northern California. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? Top of the day, all. Always want to thank <laughs> Uh, all the folks on the front line coming together to deschedule cannabis to end prohibition. 
and free all our POWs. No one should go to jail for our plan. In Northern California, I'm going to kind of cut to the chase. We've been talking about Alex Lyons now. He's my granddaughter's age, 28 years old, spent 40 days in county jail. How this disrupts lives and family, how his dad, Paul Lyons, ended up with a stroke. Uh, he's still in a care home. Uh, he's doing better now. His whole left side of the body was completely paralyzed. He's starting to move his legs and arm. He gets treatment every day. Uh, we uh, we pushed uh, Paul in on a wheelchair with our court support yesterday. We had people coming from Sacramento, also uh, representatives from Sacramento. Um, Mary Donnelly and Michael Donnelly came from Sacramento. Uh, and uh, at this at this hearing, uh, I have uh, Alex Lyons' notes here. He's going to try to come in today. He's so busy. Uh, when, when, we, when we're uh, coming for court, we always have nine nine five motions and the first motion always is to dismiss and also we always uh, challenge the search warrant on our motion to quash and traverse the warrant on probable cause to search uh, basically uh, Alex says the motion to squash the warrant on basis of it bringing a civil complaint should be only when a code violation not criminal the neighbor complaints uh, uh, is out of the box equals code in violation. In other words, what he's saying is, is that, and I warn people when they come in in California here or other states uh, where uh, the 215-420 uh, uh, rights apply, uh, the code enforcement comes in when they do that. They're setting you up, and that's a that's only. Uh, a civil violation, which we have injunction lawsuits going with our civil attorneys. That is not criminal, and what they do is they turn it into a criminal, and it's actually entrapment also, if you think about it. They're entrapping you. So he says, we are waiting uh, on requesting subpoenaing neighbors complaining until the motion to quash warrant is visited by uh, on his next hearing. Uh, which is a uh, pre-trial conference, uh, and uh, when uh, his attorney, uh, I, I really like her in Butte County here, Savannah Firmino, criminal attorney, uh, uh, vying time to build a case is what her mindset was when she went in yesterday. And uh, generally, if you keep your case going on, not always. Uh, it'll finally go away. We keep building our case with our top attorneys and our legal strategists, paralegals. And uh, so that's generally your mindset. So now Alex Lyons is going back to uh, another pretrial conference. What's that mean? Uh, Christian will tell you, remember back when, when we were going to trial, uh, we had yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we had six pretrial conferences in Butte County here. And we finally resolved our case. Uh, Lyons goes back to pre-trial commerce. Uh, we have a couple months. June uh, 9th at 1.30 p.m. That's number one Court Street here in Oroville, California. I have not got it to our 
uh, Human Solution Calendar uh, yet. Uh, you can use our calendar uh, for any kind of civil rights events, uh, uh, defendants cases. Uh, you go to Human Solution International dot org and then click on Calendar. Uh, uh, and Alliance goes on to TAC. That's a trial assignment conference. Basically, it's all the same. It's just going on. Now, he's, he's, the trial is actually set for 8.30 a.m. Uh, on the 20th of June. And uh, anything could happen from here, from this time till then, because he was scheduled for trial on May 2nd. And, of course, that's been postponed now, and we're buying more time. Uh, but, and now, also, I want to bring in again and point out the difference of Shelby Lucero's uh, going to her 35th preliminary hearing. Think about this this Friday, next Friday at 9 a.m., uh, 720 uh, 9th Street in Sacramento. Of course, support's always important, folks, uh, to come bear witness to the injustices going on inside these courtrooms. Also, to watch the defendants back. Uh, there's nothing like having support there when you're facing the judge and the jury. Uh, the difference in the case between Lyons and Shelby is Lyons waived his rights on a preliminary hearing and went straight to trial. Shelby Lucero hasn't even got past preliminary hearing. This is her 35th freedom, and what we always point out, what a waste of time and taxpayers' money. Uh, disrupting lives and families, and we know that always follow the money. They're all making money on us from big farm on down. Uh, so here's the difference in the two cases. And, one, and uh, home support uh, is is always also uh, always important because we can't we uh, picked up a couple new cases at Alex's uh, uh, PGC this last Thursday. Um, and we also connect with new people. Uh, we uh, work on cases, and uh, so court support is so important. Uh, so if you have a defendant that has a case, help him with his case, help advocate, and go court support with him, and and uh, be there for our defendant. It's so important, and uh, they're so grateful for people when they're there. Uh, I have a special guest here uh, with us this morning. Uh, when we talk about our medicine uh, in the cannabis science, our doctors like Dr. Allen, Dr. Badgley, all our doctors uh, must be savvy on the medicine. Uh, we have a new doctor, Denise Canton, here with us today. Uh, this is my first email. Uh, yes, and uh, she's staying with us here today. She's on the radio show. Uh, I'm not yes. sure if she wants to call, but basically when we talk about our doctors, uh, like the patients, uh, the doctors also must stay within the laws and the guidelines uh, when recommending. Uh, they must be knowledgeable, knowledgeable in the medicine and also be a witness that will take the stand for you, uh, like their Dr. Allen. Uh, Dr. Allen sent his best. Uh, he's in China with Budley Green. Uh, he's going there. Uh, yeah, he's going there to see that mummy that's uh, holding a pound. 
uh, in his arm. So he's in. He, oh. he sends his ball from China, and uh, he's been gone almost a week now. Uh, I remember now, if, if, if these doctors don't stay within procedure like Dr. Allen, then they, they will lose their license. Uh, as much as he did right, uh, they can just get, they have to be so careful when they're prescribing, which is recommending it's the same because uh, you you could always have a rat or a mole amongst you. You have to be very careful. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's on the doctor's. Uh, I know you want to cut the show short today. Uh, we're also, uh, last night, what, the reason I'm late, uh, we had a late night up at Berry Creek uh, uh, on, a, on another Butte County petition against uh, uh, our measure aid that we've been fighting for nine years. I know you've been following it. And in Butte County, I always point out, Butte County is setting precedents uh, not only in other counties, uh, in other states, but all over the world, we have people uh, uh, messaging us from from. Uh, I have a friend from Paris, uh, from Africa, telling telling us how important it is the precedents we set, and uh, here in California, especially where it all started, and how the Human Solution International Hello? has just four years. Tom, are you there? Tell me, yeah. We've expanded from just I don't know what happened uh, to you, but you just cut off. Your your microphone is still live. If you can hear me, if you pick up the doctor's phone, she is here listening, so maybe you can just uh, come on to her, her line there. But we cannot okay. hear you. Oh, you um, can't hear me? How about now? Can you hear me now? Tom, are you there? Okay, hold on. I'm going to... Yeah, I can. I can. Christian, yeah, I can hear you. Here. I think this might be yeah, Tom. Tom, I, is this you? I, Yes, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello, Tom. What happened? What happened? Hello. Are you there? Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, Tom. Tom's there. Okay. I'm here. Tom, I do you not hear, hear you. Hello. Hello. Christine, are you <laughs> there? Yeah. yeah Hello, Christian. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. She's the only one who can. Hello? Hello? This is Dr. Patton. Okay, can you guys hear me? We can hear you, and and I can hear Tom, so I don't know why you're not hearing them. Okay. Well, I can't hear. Maybe something happened to my phone. <laughs> um so, I just want to say, um, Tom, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Is there anything else you want to say? Yeah. No, that's okay. I've covered most everything, and I uh, want to thank everybody today. And so, join us, help in full mission. Uh, go to letfreedomgrow.org, POW420s, and Human Solution. International.org. Uh, no one should be going to jail and spend their life in prison for a plant. And uh, it's always great to hear all the great speakers today and uh, uh, Craig Cecil and George Mark Toronto uh, and Eugene Fisher, who have actually spent uh, many years in prison. Uh, I honor them uh, for standing their ground. 
taking uh, taking them on, saying prohibition. That's our bottom line. We must get the feds down. As long as <laughs> yeah, that's right. As long as we get the drugs, we're kind of, uh, kind of screwed, as <laughs> you will. Okay, well, thank you all today and uh, uh, for another great show, and uh, we'll see you next week. And don't forget to breathe. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. All right, Thank you, Tom. I don't know what happened in the middle of Tom's interview, but um, my phone, it looks like I all of a sudden couldn't hear on of it while everybody else could hear. So I had to call in from a different like, phone, but um, that was Tom Corby. Pardon me? Eugene, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I, I called in from my other phone, so we're... Yeah, I'm, I'm still uh, there was a pause there. Listeners, excuse us. A few technical uh, problems. Uh, yeah, he was still talking, and uh, you couldn't hear him, but he was still talking on the, on the radio. Oh, so okay. We got a good, good, good interview. It was a good interview with him. He, he made his point. And, okay, cool. Um, yeah. Eugene, so before we get Looks talk, like we're going to cut our program short today, huh? We are. I just have a couple things I want to go mention real fast before we go into closing. Um, one is, you know, Eugene, we've been talking all day about um, the, the uh, High Times Cup, but it was 420, which was um, a day that we all kind of celebrate uh, for cannabis. And the Seattle Hemp Fest threw a 420 party, which I was at, and we took Sherry Sicard's letters, and Miggy went to it as well, and Miggy raised about $150 to be put on Jimmy Romans, who's serving life um, in prison, on his commissary money. Um, the Seattle Hemp Fest also uh, earned a whole bunch of money for Jimmy Romans, uh, for Jimmy Romans' commissary funds. So everything went well. Um, everything went good on that. And I'm just going to read a message that Eddie Lepp wrote from prison um, for about 420. And Eddie is serving a 10-year sentence. He went to trial and was found guilty, and he will be out soon. This is what Eddie writes. Well, it's another 420, my last one in here, I hope. There sadly is so much to be done, but on the other hand, there is so time to be thankful for. There is so much time to be thankful for. It's days like 420 I can remember and miss the little bitty pretty one so very much. Knowing how happy both she and the late Jack Hare must be that things are finally starting to look up for the movement but must also be aware that neither would be happy about all the BS going on. Unite and get this done and soon. Stop the infighting and go after those in power. Cultivate those who are supportive, like Bernie Sanders, while refusing to support those seeking office who won't support us, like Clinton, who believes dropping it to Schedule 2 on the CSA is helping us. That won't help us or the movement at all. So again, please, ask how I can help. Ask how... Ask how can I help the cannabis movement, then unite and help get all the laws passed to ensure that we can all be safe and secure while living our lives freely and for and our for, as our forefathers intended. No one ever told George Washington he couldn't grow cannabis, and they shouldn't tell you or me that we can't either. Happy 420, truth, respect all, hurt no one, love one another, and happy 420. Uh, Eugene, is there anything else that you want to say before we close out the show today? No. Uh, just God bless everybody. All right. Well, we're going to go into closing now. Um, and closing on this show is about just, you know, 
just getting right into saying thank you for all the volunteers who help us uh, present this, CCHI 2016, for giving us this, this platform. Eugene, Mindy, all the callers, all the listeners, all the guests, of course, all the prisoners. Um, and just know that we can end prohibition right now just by voting in the courtrooms. Regardless of the, what the government tells you, if you're ever called into jury duty, you do not have to find somebody guilty, even if the evidence is there. Even if the person broke the law, technically they might, yeah, they might be guilty. But if it's a bad law, you have the power to nullify it and say not guilty. And you can keep someone out of prison um, who never hurt anybody just by voting not guilty in the courtroom. Please do not ever let the government persuade you or push you or tell you you have to do something that you don't want to do. Because guess what? You cannot be you cannot get in trouble for your verdict. Stay tuned. I don't know if it's going to be the next show or the show after that, but we're going to be doing a very in-depth uh, TV or radio show about jury nullification, and we are calling in some experts. So stay tuned for, our, for that show. Um, so we want to ask you today to please help us in prohibition. Uh, Voices of the Cannabis War at gmail.com is, an, is our email address. We have a Facebook page. Um, Voices of the Cannabis War. Go like our page. You can send us messages from there. We're also building our website, which is going to be good. It's going to be Voices of the Cannabis War at um, uh, .com. So check that out and help us end prohibition so that all of our lifers can come home and nobody else has to die in prison, like my father, Richard Floor, who I personally had to take off of, of life support while he was still shackled to a bed. And it goes much deeper than that. He was tortured and neglected the, the, the months before his death. So please, we don't want anybody else to die in prison. We also don't want anybody to get shot down in a raid either. Rest in peace to Gary Shepard, who was shot down over 20 times uh, while he was protecting his plan. And his, and Mary Jane Jones, who was standing next to him, who was also shot down. She survived but just passed away a few months ago. Um, Gary passed away about 20 years ago. And also rest in peace to Jack Kerr, who taught us about our plan. He left us a book called Emperor's No Clothes. I urge everybody to listen to it immediately or to, to read it immediately. We'll tell you all about the conspiracy and why the government don't want to take it off the schedule one list. Uh, also, we want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who was a book writer as well. But he helped wrote, write us books that will help uh, motivate us and make us better. Um, so check out Peter McWilliams, who also was in prison for our plant. Rest in peace to Bill Amorte, who passed away on the 4th of July um, while he was in prison with Eugene. Um, Eugene said that he started grabbing his heart, and after 20 years of serving his life sentence, he fell to the ground and suffered from a couple major heart attacks. We also need to say rest in peace to Dee Young, who gave us Adam. Also to Curtis Cecil, whose father called into our show today, is serving a life sentence in prison for cannabis. Curtis was his son, and he shouldn't have to die um, while his father is fighting this war. We also have to say rest in peace to Spencer Costas and Cashy Hyde are two young children in our movement who are using the medicine to kill their brain tumors. Well, their caregivers were raided all across the nation, and it made it very hard for their families to find them the medicine they needed, and so they also passed away in this war. Also to Bernardo Fumo Martinez, who was a close friend of mine who was helping to fight the the war on a worldly level. He wanted our whole world to be able to use cannabis and not have to go to prison for it. And also to Elaine Salmon, who was an ONAC tribal member. It's a tragedy. She's getting her medicine sent to her through the post office, and the post office intercepted her package. So Elaine didn't get the medicine she needed, and she passed away um, shortly after. So rest in peace, Elaine. And also to Oscar, who is Eugene and George's friend, who they say went to FCI in the sky. 
And please help us in prohibition so nobody else has to go to prison or die for our plant. Thank you for listening to the Voices of the Cannabis War. Stay tuned for next week's show. Eugene, is there anything else you want to say before I before I press the end button? No, a, a, a wonderful show. You did a wonderful show, Kristen. Thanks for everything. You every, too. Uh, I so. <laughs> um, so we are going to go, and I'm looking for, I didn't pick a song yet because I'm, I'm a little ahead of myself here. So I'm going to just try to find one. Um, I'm looking for Carrie Woosley's song that we played last, last play week. Play the song we usually play. Can you find it? I think I'm going to come by uh, Carrie Woosley's first. Um, it's called uh, Freedom. And he was our plant prisoner that called in from federal penitentiary last week. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a prisoner who sang this song who is still in prison for cannabis. So check this out by Kerry Woosley. It's called Freedom. My freedom, well, it leaves me today These last few months went warp speed, I must say If you were smart, you'd leave me and walk away Obey So now I sit here and I pray Got your freedom and a heart that is filled for me, and I will not let them take it away. While you say we don't need it, well, that's easy for them to say. Well, hold me tight, don't let them put me away. Freedom, babe. I told I'd be free and walk away. I lost my freedom, babe. Well, you got your freedom and a heart that is filled for me. And I will not let them take it away. While you say we don't need it. Well, that's easy for them to Well, hold me tight, don't let them put me away, freedom, babe. Well, you got your freedom, and a heart that is still for me, and I will not let them take it away, while you say we don't need it. Well, that's easy for them to say Well, hold me tight
Okay, for those of you who are still listening and just want to hang out, it ain't going to hurt to play Kushite uh, Sika No More War. After this, we're going to end the show. So if you don't want to listen, just hang up. But if you like this song, I like this song too, check it out.
shake hands with our enemies. We shake hands with our enemies and murder our disagreements and put them on a pedestal with some sort of achievement. Being a man is not based on the people you shot or how close you get right. Being a man is one who's able to feed his family when times are tight. We are in a recession, suffering with oppression, so lower your Bibles and load your weapons. How many times must we pray before we start losing our blessings? How many loved ones must we lose before we tell ourselves a lesson? Reach one, each one, teach one, empower them. 